Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Disclaimer. Horror Hill is a horror anthology podcast bringing you scary stories from all corners of the internet and beyond. As such, certain stories include content that some listeners might find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome to Horror Hill. I'm your host, Eric Peabody. And we've got a couple of fun ones for you tonight. 
Make sure that you're all settled in and ready to begin, because these two stories are as terrifying as they are snappy, so you won't want to stop in the middle to make your popcorn. Our evening begins with Pizza and Macaroni by B. Griffin. Connor and Sam are young twin brothers. Though they both get along famously with each other, theirs isn't what you'd call a happy home. The increasing tension between their parents is suddenly augmented by something otherworldly in the house, and the twins need to stick together if they are to weather both storms. For the cherry on top of this creepy cupcake, we have Olivia Steele as a guest, playing the role of Connor and Sam's mother. Following that, we'll be diving into The Timekeeper's Watch by G. Gray. This story opens with a grumpy old clockmaker closing up his shop for the evening. Just as he's about to turn in and call it a day, he hears a knock on his shop door. An odd stranger is waiting for him with a seemingly run-of-the-mill request. He wants the clockmaker to fix his pocket watch. What the clockmaker doesn't know is that this interaction will change his life and the life of the stranger forever. And, as if one guest appearance this episode wasn't enough, I'd like you all to join me in welcoming Paul McSorley to this story, who will be providing the voice of the clockmaker. As you might already know, Paul hosts another show, titled Fear from the Heartland, on our same network. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today and get instant access. Did I mention they're ad-free? Thank you for your support. And now, from author B. Griffin, I present Pizza and Macaroni. Connor sat low in his chair, slinging macaroni into his mouth. The table was made of smooth, soft wood with lines in it that Connor liked to trace with his pointer finger. Usually, there was a tablecloth, but not today. Lately, there were no tablecloths, and they ate macaroni and pizza off of paper plates. This seemed like it should have been an improvement, but something must have been wrong with the food. It always made Connor feel a little sick after he ate it. Pizza was not his favorite anymore. Across the bare table, his brother was eating just as fast. He had lowered his face to the lip of his plate, and as a result, he was about three bites ahead of Connor. For a moment, their eyes locked, and a grim solidarity passed between them. They had to hurry. The silence at the table could only stretch so far before it broke. His parents' heads were slowly tipping forwards, and they were staring harder and harder at their plates, as if they were trying to read something among the soggy noodles. Any second now, Connor thought. He put too much macaroni in his mouth and almost choked. Done! shouted Sam, 
and after a few more frantic scrapes of his fork across the plate, Connor shouted it too, an echo with only a slight delay. They had escaped. The twins were never sent out of the dining room exactly, but the dark electric charge in the air between their parents inspired them to slip out of the hard kitchen chairs and run for the living room faster than anything their daddy could have shouted at them. They ran to the living room. Normally, they would have kept on running all the way down the stairs into the basement where their toys were, but Sam had thrown the door open and stopped completely, as still as a statue. Connor ran into him impatiently from behind. Move, Sam. I want to... He stopped. He stood silently next to his brother, and they looked down the stairs together. There was a face down there, in the dark. Although the light from the living room only made it down to the third step, the face at the bottom of the stairs was clear and white against the black of the basement. It did not move, not even a little. Its mouth was open. It had piano key teeth. Its eyes were two small sparks of light buried in deep black sockets. It had thin hair that had been blown straight back from the gray-white skin that clung tightly to its skull. There was a vague shape of a body beneath it, a suggestion, but only the face was illuminated. Connor could not stop staring into its mouth. It was like an open door. Is it alive? Sam asked. I don't know, Connor said. He and the thing were staring at each other. He wondered if it was staring at his brother, too. Should we turn the light on? The basement light was set into the wall, four steps down, exactly where the darkness started. It would mean moving their fingers, their hands, maybe their whole arms into the dark, where that face was. No, Sam said. No, Connor repeated. They stared at the face, and the face stared back. The living room smelled like crayons and carpet. In the kitchen, their parents had started their fight. Everything was normal, except for the face in the dark staring up at them. Mom? Connor said. Mom? There was no answer, just the sound of shouting in the kitchen. Mom couldn't hear him. Sam was holding a rubber ball in his hand one of the colorful ones that the dentist had given them. As Connor watched, Sam slowly tipped his hand forward and the ball bounced off the carpet and onto the basement stairs. It made a lonely plink every time it hit a step. It was getting closer to the face. With the next bounce, it disappeared into the dark and the face moved. It turned to look at where the ball must have gone on a neck that tipped violently to the side like a loose spring. It wasn't just a face in the dark. It could move. It was alive. Before he had time to think, Connor slammed the door. He had a wild vision of the thing scuttling up the stairs towards him as he moved, so real and frightening that he ran back into the corner of the living room as soon as the door was closed, ready to scream. But there was nothing. 
No sound on the basement steps. No scratching at the door. Only their parents shouting and his heart beating faster than he could run. The two of them sat against the wall in the living room, watching the door. I don't think it's coming up, Connor said. What about when we go to sleep? He hadn't thought about that. The thought of that face creeping out of the basement and into their room made him feel like crying and throwing up at the same time. Maybe we could lock it down there. It was the only plan they had. They pushed the couch against the door. Connor wished that there was something else in the room they could use, something heavier, but there was nothing. He tried to wedge the pillow from the couch under the door to jam it, but the pillow was too fat and soft to do the job properly. Are you boys still awake? Their mother said from the doorway. Connor jumped and Sam yelled. She frowned at them. Her face was red from crying. Did you move the couch? Don't do that. Don't move the furniture. Leave it for tonight, please, Connor said. The feeling like crying and being sick had come back. Please. She frowned. Go to bed. She told them. Her voice was in her nose. Connor and Sam slowly left the living room, trying to reassure themselves with the quiet stillness of the room, the solidity of the couch against the door. They had to pass the kitchen to get to their room. Their dad was sitting at the table. He looked up as they walked through. How about we get out of here one day, eh, Sam? He asked. His voice was too loud. Doesn't that sound good? Just you and me? Sam mumbled something. Their dad caught him in a quick, rough hug as he passed, and Sam ducked out from under his arm. Dad had always liked Sam better. Connor knew it. It bothered him sometimes, but not today. In their room, they watched their bedroom door and tried not to picture that white face appearing at the foot of their beds. After lying very still in bed for what felt like ages... Connor slipped out of the room and into the bathroom. He knew where their mother had hidden the nightlight, the one their father told them they were too old for. He grabbed it from the drawer and darted back to their bedroom. He plugged it in and a halo of yellow-orange light sprang from the bulb. Connor felt better. He knew it was for babies, but he felt better. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. In the morning, Connor remembered the night as long and horrible, even with the nightlight. Some stretches of it were hazier than others, and he thought that maybe he had fallen asleep during those parts. He was shaky at the breakfast table, but his mother didn't notice. Her eyes were dull and sad, and she only looked at the table without a tablecloth. As they walked out of the room to go to school, Connor dared a look back at the basement door. The couch was gone. The door was ajar. Panic chased him out into the yard after his brother. She probably moved it after we went upstairs, Connor was whispering as the brothers walked down the street to their bus stop. He couldn't stop thinking about the open door. The face could have been anywhere in the house last night. It could be anywhere right now. Sam had pulled the collar of his t-shirt into his mouth and was chewing on it, a habit that he was supposed to have broken. They didn't talk, just marched on towards the bus stop, leaves and gravel crunching underfoot. Sam didn't have any solutions, which was making Connor upset, even though he didn't have any either. Hi! It was Brandon, chasing through the neighbor's bushes to join them. He was always beaming when he saw the twins, even though they weren't really friends. Not the kind of friends who played together at recess, anyway. Hi, Brandon, Connor said, even though he wanted him to go away. Brandon, do you know about monsters? Sam asked, staring gravely into Brandon's round, red face. Why are you asking him? Connor demanded. Because he talks about scary stuff a lot. Connor twisted the ends of his sweater sleeves in his hands, breathing in the sharp fall smell in the air. He had forgotten that about Brandon. Yeah, Brandon said. He straightened and pushed up his glasses. It looked as though he were trying to copy Sam's serious face. I know about monsters. What do you do with them? Sam demanded. What makes them go away? It depends, Brandon said. He adjusted his backpack straps and looked out into the distance as if the conversation was boring him. He couldn't hold the pose for long. Why are you asking me? He demanded. Did you see one or something? Yeah, Connor said. Yeah, Sam said. Brandon looked nervous. Really? He said. You're not lying. No, no. It was enough for him. Wow, he said. That's cool. Neither of the twins replied. Connor wanted to punch him. Well, you have to observe it, Brandon continued. They were at the bus stop now, and they stood at the corner in a cluster, leaning in towards Brandon's peanut butter breath. That means watch it. 
You have to see what it likes and what it doesn't like. Vampires don't like garlic. We're just supposed to try to feed it and see what happens? Connor scowled. Brandon shrugged. I don't know. You have to do experiments. Most monsters don't like things like light or the Bible or being stabbed in the head. He trailed off. That's all I can think of. But monsters have rules. You just have to figure out the rules. The bus came and they filed on in their usual order. Connor, Sam, Brandon. The twins sat next to each other in the gray vinyl seat as they always did, but neither of them spoke. They were thinking about rules. The twins didn't sit by each other in school because their teacher had an idea that she would foster new friendships by making students sit apart from anyone they liked. Connor could see Sam thinking, and he was desperate to talk to him. He had to wait until recess. It's light, Sam whispered to Connor as they crossed the blacktop and moved towards the swings. It lives in the only room where we can't turn the light on. And it didn't come up the stairs because the light was on in the living room. And it didn't come into our bedrooms because of the nightlight. Remember? Brandon said, monsters hate light. They stood together just a few yards away from the colorful plastic playground equipment. Okay, Connor said. Okay. He was caught in between the relief of a solution and the terrible realization that the house was dark all night. We'll have to keep a light on in our room at night, Sam said, reading Connor's mind in the reassuring way he had. The nightlight. It works. Yeah, Connor said. He was feeling good now. They had a plan. That good feeling lasted him all the way through the school day, onto the bus, and into the house. It wilted a little when he saw the basement door standing open. The dark that was kept down there seemed to be trying to creep up the stairs. The lights are on, Connor told himself. It can't come out of the basement. Without mentioning it, he and Sam ignored the living room. They spent the time before dinner playing in the yard or the kitchen, and they ate their frozen pizza dinner. The dough was still thick and blobby in the middle, and it had peppers, which Connor hated, slower than usual. Their parents were completely silent as they ate. Connor could feel the unhappiness in the air, so thick that it made his teeth hurt. He didn't want to stay at the table, but he didn't want to go into the living room where the basement door was. His dad made the decision for him. Go to the living room, boys, he said. We don't want to, Connor said, but his dad gave him such a scary look that he and Sam both slid reluctantly out of their chairs and went into the living room. They kept to the edges of the room with their backs to the wall. There were a few toys in the room, but they were all too close to the door. They looked like bait, sitting there within arm's reach of the basement stairs. Maybe he's not there anymore, Connor said. Go check, Sam suggested. Connor took one small step forward, then another. He both did and didn't want to see the face. If he saw it... He would know that it was stuck down there, unable to get through the light of the living room. But if the face was gone, it could be anywhere. 
He forced himself to take three more fast steps, and he stared fiercely down into the dark. Connor tried to scream, but he sucked in air instead. The thing was standing right there, only three steps down, exactly at the edge of the basement darkness. Connor could see the long, crooked teeth that only barely fit in the gaping mouth and the strange, mottled pattern on its face. It looked more real today. It looked like it might reach out and touch him. It looked like it was studying him. It's closer, Connor said. He was breathing so fast that it was making him dizzy. It came up the stairs. It's almost at the top. His voice was high and panicky, but he couldn't look away. Sam appeared at his side, and they stared down together. The thing was staring back up at them with those two mean, shining spots that were its eyes. Connor's heart was beating so fast that it almost hurt. It can't come any closer, Sam said. It can't. That's the last step before the light touches it. It can't get us. All we have to do is keep the lights on. Ha! He shouted at the thing. It didn't react. Ha! Sam said again. Connor could feel a little thread of his brother's confidence snake out and reach him. He glared down at the thing on the stairs. He could only do it for a moment before he had to look away, but even that made him feel stronger. Sam reached out and slammed the door. The thing on the stairs disappeared behind it. Connor realized that he was crying, and he wiped the tears away with the back of his hand, embarrassed. The shouting had started again in the kitchen. He sat down against the wall, and Sam sat down next to him, so close that their arms were smushed together. It'll be okay, Sam whispered fiercely. They sat next to each other until bedtime. That night, Connor was lying in a half-sleeping doze when the bedroom door creaked open. He and Sam were both immediately awake and upright in the bed, but there was no white face looming out at them. Shh, their father said. Why are you awake? Why are you using the nightlight? Didn't I tell you that's for babies? He leaned over the bed and took Sam's arm. Ow, Sam said. Come on, Sam, he said. Come on, we're going to run an errand. We'll be right back, Connor. He pulled Sam out of the bed without looking at Connor. Sam? Connor asked. I'll come back, Sam said, looking over his shoulder as their dad pulled him out of the room. The next morning was Saturday. Connor was awake early, even though there was no alarm and no school. Sam was not in the bedroom. Connor hurried out into the kitchen. No Sam. He looked in the bathroom and the living room, but Sam wasn't there. The door to the basement was still closed. His mother appeared in the living room as Connor was staring out the window, looking for signs of Sam. Where's your father? She demanded, and then, blinking, she added, Where's Sam? Dad took him on an errand, Connor said. Last night, he woke him up and they left. 
There was a look growing on his mother's face, like she had just remembered something terrible. Oh, she said. She stood there for another moment before she turned and ran to the kitchen. Connor followed after her. The way she was acting was making him nervous. She was keeping something bad from him, and he wanted to know what it was. She was on the phone when he caught up with her. My husband has taken my son, she was saying. No, I, I don't know. He, he's uh, in his pajamas. They're, uh, I, I think they're blue and white. Red pants and a white shirt, Connor corrected, but his mother didn't hear him. When she hung up, she ran to the coat rack and pulled on her coat so hard that Connor thought it might rip. Sam's coat was gone, Connor saw. He hadn't noticed that before. Mom, what's happening? Connor asked. Stay here, Connor. I'll send a, a neighbor over, his mother said. It was broken up by little hiccupy sobs. Now she was ramming her feet into shoes and pulling her hair back from her face with one hand. I'll be back. It'll be fine. She slammed the door behind her as she left, and Connor was left standing alone in the living room. He waited for the neighbor to come over, and he tried to figure out what had happened. Sunlight was streaming into the living room through the window, but he turned on the light too, just in case. He watched the basement door as he waited. An hour later, there was still no sign of the neighbor and no word from his mother. Connor was getting scared. Sam was supposed to come back. Where had their dad taken Sam? Why had Connor been left behind? What if Sam didn't come back? It was such a staggering thought that it blindsided him. He had never thought it was possible until now, until right now, when he was alone and his mother had run out of the house looking so scared, and she had called someone on the phone. Sam might not come back. The thought sunk into him. It was then, as he felt the crippling weight of his brother's absence, that the doorknob on the smooth white basement door began to turn. Connor stared. The door opened, just enough to fit a face, white and staring. It can't come into the light, Connor thought. It can't come into the light. Sam will come back. It can't come into the light. The door swung open until the sun shone on the thing with the white face and the thin, wiry body. It grinned with its piano key teeth. The thing stepped forward, directly towards Connor, directly into the light. You've been listening to Pizza and Macaroni by B. Griffin. B. Griffin is a newer writer, currently making the transition from the horrors of copywriting to the much more exciting horrors of fiction. I'll add that I personally am looking forward to more of their work. And now, to close out our evening, I give you... 
The Timekeeper's Watch by G. Gray. The cracking at the front door startled the older gentleman. Who the hell could that be at this hour? The older gentleman thought to himself. Whoever it was would need to come back some other time. We're closed! He bellowed from the rear room of his shop. It was already pretty late, a few hours past sundown. All of the stores and such would be closed at this time of night, including his own. The sink continued to run as the man proceeded with the washing of his face prior to calling it a night. Once more, there it was. Either they can't read in their heart of hearing, or they're just a plain fool. The older man grumbled. I said we're closed. He hollered once more. He stood there in the rear room of his clock shop, putting on his glasses momentarily and peering towards the front door. Only a small lamp dimly shone within the entire abode, which was situated on his nightstand. A tall, dark, slim shadow of a man could be seen through the opaque, dusty glass set within the russet entrance door, whilst the gazing of the moonlight gleamed upon him. The shop was a pretty small thing centered within a downtown shopping street. This main street had various stores selling all sorts of clothing, touristy trinkets, and knickknacks. It was an older town in comparison to others in the country the type of town where mainly everyone knew each other's names, occupations, and whether someone was a foreigner. What made this town a bit unique in this day and age was the road that was between all the stores. It was an old-fashioned stone road, one that was used in a former era, probably during a period when people had horses and carriages that would trot up and down, while they themselves wore gowns and traditional attire going from one place of business to the next. A more modest, yet quaint existence. Though the older gentleman was well along in his years, that was still quite some time before. White and grey cobblestone covered the road, yet it wasn't so white after years of usage. It was set unevenly in some parts, but held steady. For a town this old, it was still in admirable condition. The buildings were held up in beige stone and mortar. Willow trees at one end of the street were reflected on the opposite. Dark blue, almost black-looking, towering lamp posts ran along the sides of the road. The town appeared as if it had been hand-painted from an artist's rendition. The older gentleman owned a timepiece shop. It was small, a bit cluttered, and certainly nothing fancy. One would say it was not kept up with, especially in comparison to its surroundings. This wasn't due to the older gentleman being foul and lazy, but more due to the vitality being taken away from him with the passing of days. The store was filled with various wristwatches and wall clocks, ones that had alarms and ones without, some small and others large, and even a grandfather clock. He not only sold items depicting time, but also fixed such things. A specialist in his line of work. Upon entering, there was a wooden and glass countertop that ran on the right-hand side towards the middle back wall. 
The left side of the shop was open, with a few shelves of items on display. Opposed to having a separate residence, the older gentleman inhabited the rear room of the store. It was nothing larger than half the size of a small, modern-day studio. When taking ownership of the establishment once upon a year, the older gentleman had decided that not only would it be wise in saving money, but also for convenience's sake to humbly make the shop his home. He had installed a small kitchenette, built a timber, twin-sized bed frame by hand, and next to it a nightstand. There was already a working lavatory within the room. A sky roof was above the older gentleman's bed. It wasn't very big. As for tonight, there appeared to be no stars shining at all. A bare sky, with the sole moon peeking around the corner, gradually coming into view. The bashing at the door continued. By now, the older gentleman was getting irritated. He briefly took his glasses back off, picked up a towel laying on the pedestal sink to dry off his face, then returned his glasses back to where they were. The older gentleman turned off the sink and directed himself to face the front door, wearing nothing but his white nightgown. He treaded hastily to see who in their right mind was keeping him from his solitude. Can't you see the store is closed? Roared the older gentleman as he turned the relic doorknob and swung the egress open, all in a moment's notice. The older gentleman caught himself staring at the back of a man a tall, slender form of a man at that. The street lamp nearby, along with the vivid moonlight, made it easy for the older gentleman to see this mystery before him. The figure was all dressed up, as if going to or coming from something of high importance. From top to bottom, the older gentleman faced the color black. Short, neatly combed hair, smooth silk jacket, pressed trousers and formal double-tied shoes, embellished in the absence of color. Of course, this was all in a second's perspective from what the older gentleman could distinguish. The very next instant, the gent turned slowly to face the older gentleman. "'Good evening,' the fellow stated, with no underlying sentiment. It felt as if there was a pause after his given statement, However, not to mean just a pause after the man's voice, but a pause in time. For the slightest moment, there was the silence of nothing. No sound, no feeling, just the actuality of nothing. The only thing that could be felt and heard was the gradual quickening of the older gentleman's heartbeat. The gent appeared to be on the younger end of middle-aged, with light skin and dark hazel eyes. The gentleman that had come to visit brought with him two traits, fear and secrecy. It was within those eyes that the mannerism could be read. In his right hand, there looked to be something of physical nature that he also brought with him, that being a small, dark wooden box. I didn't mean to startle you just now, the gent continued to speak. I'm here at a dire time in special need for just exactly that time. The older gentleman, appearing puzzled, didn't say anything at first. But before he even had a chance to think of a response, the gent continued. You see, I have with me a gift of some sort that I need assistance with 
promptly. Interjecting, the older gentleman asked directly, For heaven's sake, do you know what hour it is? Appearing confused, yet still bothered by this unannounced visit, the gent gave a direct response back. Why, yes, I am quite aware, and despite it being past the hour of nightfall, it was imperative that I come see you at once. My being here is not to dishearten you in any way, or by any other malevolency. I am here because there will be no time tomorrow. What I bring with me is beckoning at the present. The older man simply glared at the fellow standing still before him, not fully sure of whether to continue this charade with the stranger or to condemn the door and seal this outlandish character out. He decided to accept the enticing circumstance and inquire more with the man in black. Being a bit calmer and less maddened, the older gentleman solemnly asked, What are you here for? Reaching out his right arm, the gent placed the small, dark wooden box within the palms of the older gentleman. Not quite knowing what to do with the box, yet alone what was inside it, brought another question to come from the older gentleman. What is this? The gent, observing the bewildered, however curious face of the older gentleman, told him, Open it. This is why I'm here. The older gentleman lifted the latch on the wooden box and raised the top. Inside of the box was a rustic, brass pocket watch, one that was highly unique in its class. This type of timepiece the older gentleman had never seen before, and he had seen a lot during his many years of labor. The pocket watch was circular, as many of them are, with a dark vanilla white face. There were no numbers, only black dash marks depicting where the minutes were placed. The two hands behind the glass were thin and golden-toned. Neither of them was in movement, nor could any sound be heard. The watch appeared antique, yet, surprisingly, not a mark or scratch was on the glass, from what the older gentleman could tell. Positioning his spectacles further down along the brim of his nose and slightly squinting his eyes, the older gentleman spotted a jotted word. On the face of the watch, in small, black, cursive letters, the word Tempus was inscribed. After briefly looking over this atypical commodity set before him, the older gentleman presumed that the gent had merely come for a conventional repair of the pocket watch. With all due respect, I am not open for business past the evening hours. Therefore, I will not make any exception. I can hold on to your item and fix her right up the following day if you wish. The older gentleman stated. The gent, not giving much attention to the words coming out of the older gentleman's whistle, silently grinned and nodded his head in agreement. The older gentleman, being too tired to pay any more heed to this fellow, asked him to leave so that he could get some rest. The older gentleman closed the front door behind him. What an odd one, he thought to himself. Wondering why he came now, as opposed to daylight hours, he shrugged it off and figured the item must be of a sentimental value. 
The gent was clearly not from around here and probably was heading back home soon, wherever that may be. The older gentleman began to gently make his way to the counter on his right-hand side to place the wooden box upon it. He would get to work on it in the morning, or whenever he felt like it for that matter. Some days, it appeared the man had all the time in the world. Situating the small box on the glass countertop, with the lid still open and the face of the watch looking upright, the older gentleman yawned ferociously and was ready to step back into his rear abode to finally call it a night. Preparing once again to go to bed, the older gentleman wearily tucked his cushioned slippers under the bed frame. He took off his glasses, rubbed his eyes, and leaned in to turn off the nightstand lamp. But the moment his fingers grazed the switch going from light to dark, he flipped his head quickly at a sound. It was a soft sound at that, one that he was not familiar with. Now, there were numerous little deviating sounds within the entire complex due to the various clocks, watches, ding-dongs and such that would tick and stutter throughout the night. So, sound was normal. But this wasn't one of them. It may have had a tone as familiar as the rest, but it was still just different. Like when a centipede and millipede cross paths with one another, they are similar, yet different. The older gentleman placed his glasses back on his face and leaned up from the nightstand, the lamp remaining on. He scouted the main storeroom slowly from his bedroom, seeking to hear what exactly was making the slight indifference of sound that he was not accustomed to hearing. After a few moments of pondering and sheer concentration, he pinpointed the sound to the left-hand side of his shop, possibly coming from along the countertop. He stepped into his slippers and staggered towards the glass counter. The closer he got, the clearer the sound became. His eyes focused on one thing only, that being the newest item within his store. There it was, the little wooden box with the pocket watch, clicking away in resonance. The older gentleman stood above the box, looking down at the watch, whose hands were in movement, but only at a snail's pace. They were barely moving. One second on the clock face felt like ten seconds of actual time. The ticking sound of the timepiece was a unique one at that as well. Despite these findings, nonetheless it was still working. There appeared to be nothing really broken. Standing still, gazing upon this anomaly, the older gentleman felt perplexed. Why on earth would someone come after closing hours, insistent on my presence for a watch that does not appear to be needing a fix? Thought the older gentleman. A tiny screwdriver sat on the wooden shelf behind the glass counter. Inquisitive, he figured that it would only take him but a quick instant to pry off the backing of the watch and look inside. The older gentleman didn't remember the timepiece ever working when the stranger had given it to him, so now he only wanted to satisfy his curiosity. One last action before tucking in for the evening. Taking the screwdriver, the older gentleman unpicked the minuscule screws set forth in the backing. He removed the brass tarnished back and placed it aside. The older gentleman took a nearby lens used for enlarging small details, which is like a modern-day magnifying glass. 
He focused on the inside mechanics of the watch, looking intently at all within. A blank look encompassed his face, stunned by what he saw. Not only were the mechanisms working just fine, but there was a microscopic word etched upon the inside of the piece. This word is what gave the older gentleman a cold chill in his bones. It was his name. Nothing more but that. The older gentleman dropped the lens to the counter. He quickly placed the covering on the backside of the pocket watch and worked the screws back in. Not thinking twice about what he had seen, the older gentleman told himself that it was an obvious mistake or joke or some other rational reason that would explain this conundrum. Imagination, perhaps? The older gentleman was not aware of any brand or make of watch which went by his uncommon name. Utter coincidence. Leaving the open box with a watch on his counter once more, the older gentleman walked back to his rear room in hopes of finally resting his weary head. After sitting down on his bed, slippers tucked under as routine, he placed his glasses on the nightstand. Before he laid back, though, the sound he initially investigated grew faintly louder and a tad quicker. Not so loud as to be exceedingly noticeable, but just ever so slightly to be distinguished. The older gentleman's ears were already semi-focused before on the sound, therefore he was able to pick up this variation. The older gentleman simply sat there and listened. A bit louder and faster, it grew as the seconds went by. Like climbing a flight of stairs, it was going up, but ever so slowly. The older gentleman put both hands on his knees as he sat on the bedside. He felt a sudden, measured, tingling sensation flowing through his veins towards his core. A small, sharp sense of pain struck the older gentleman's chest, a needle being pulled through a sheet of cloth. He figured that he was in desperate need of sleep, as he was not able to keep his body up so late anymore. A bit delusional, the older gentleman continued to listen to the rising sound of the pocket watch from afar. It continued to get louder, and little did the man realize that the seconds were turning into minutes. While the older gentleman continued to sit there, the pain from within his chest came and went, such as rain coming and going in a day. The man finally rested his body flat on the bed, peering up at the miniature sky roof above. He listened to the sound of the watch clicking away still gaining volume and speed one bit at a time. The sharp, subtle pain rose in the older gentleman's chest once again. It was more than before, not holding back so much as it had moments ago. The older gentleman wanted to believe that it was something of lesser value than what it was seeming to be. If only that belief was factual. The older gentleman cringed on his bed, moving his limbs with the measure of the pain. He closed his eyes briefly, wishing to any god that roamed this hour to take the agony away. In vain, the pain continued. As it became greater, so did the sound of the pocket watch. The hands of the piece were now almost in full, regular movement, just as the hands ought to be. The sound of the watch appeared to be nearing a peak, 
a loud, ghastly tick-tock at that. The pain was becoming unbearable for the older gentleman, as he still lay there, flailing his arms in a circular pattern and his legs not ceasing to stop. The older gentleman's chest felt like a brick was being pummeled into it, all the while nails being driven through his aching heart. He was aware that this day or night would come, of course. He just didn't know when. They say the reason one's life will flash before their eyes is due to the body being in an unknown occurrence. Therefore, the mind is trying to sort through all memories in frantic need of a solution. This experience was befalling the older gentleman. It was confirmed that the older gentleman's time was near. With the sound of the strident pocket watch in the background, the older gentleman knew that even if he cried for help, no one was near enough to hear. However, even with the ear-splitting sound, the older gentleman heard something else. Through the pain and torment his body was subjecting him to, his ears had not faded away from the chaos in his shop. It was the sound of footsteps on a hard surface, sort of like that of boots or formal dress shoes. They were drawn-out steps, one by one, and came from nearby. Someone was walking towards him. The older gentleman turned his head to the side. His blurry vision could not make out who or what was coming towards him. Being in a state of significant pain, he was unable to reach for his glasses lying upon the nightstand. "'Here you go,' said the gent to the older gentleman." holding out his spectacles towards him. The older man grabbed them carefully with his shaky grasp. The blood in his arms was giving way. What are you doing here? The older gentleman managed to coughingly spit out. There are many nicknames for a person in my position, said the gent, and to solely tell you would be an injustice towards you. It would be of the highest value for you to learn all that I have in due time. And speaking of time, yours is about to be up, along with mine. The older gentleman was sweating profusely and lacked the confidence of breath. As the sound and speed of the pocket watch grew faster, the heartbeat of the older gentleman grew slower. The gent went on. My time is near as well, great sir, and I have selected you to take my place. You will be the noble keeper, of time, that is. You will set forth unto this world the one thing that always continues and never relents, the component that runs nature in its entirety. You an angel of sort? Death, maybe? The older gentleman whispered aloud. He was grabbing his chest with his right hand, as if trying to reach through his skin and yank out his ever-failing heart. No, 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 great sir. Death remains in its own element. Time, however, is what makes and brings death, along with life, to be surreal. But opposite of time itself, I am in no position to remain constant. Every millennium, the token is passed to the next. The great choice of mine at this exact moment is to determine who I see fit. 
I have selected you. The fellow spoke. Token is the watch? The older gentleman asked in pain. Yes, precisely, answered the gent. Why me? The older gentleman screamed as a stabbing-like pain ripped through his body. When you take my place, you will find the answer, sir. Seeking a light in a storm, it will eventually be there, the gent quietly responded. The pocket watch was running in full movement, louder and faster than ever. The older gentleman grasped the sheets of his bed with his fists, stretching his body out, naturally fighting the pain. The gentleman walked towards the beating pocket watch and picked it up. He then retreated to the older gentleman's bedside and kneeled. The gent grabbed the left palm of the older gentleman's hand. This is yours now, great sir. Both of our times are now upon us. The gent sincerely spoke. The older gentleman, having no more energy to keep his eyes open any longer, with his body slowing down in its thrashing movements, calmly grasped the watch in his palm. Unsure of what the man in black was or what was said, the only sure thing he knew was his own bereavement. With that last clutch in the older gentleman's hand, the watch was now in regular movement and sound. Nothing bizarre or indifferent. No more deafening noise. A regular timepiece, just as all the others within the abode. The older gentleman's heart now ceased to continue. With that, the gent stood up and backed away from the bed slowly. He tilted his head upward towards the sky roof. Nobody sees us but the silver moon, the gent whispered as he disappeared into the dark night. You've just heard The Timekeeper's Watch by G. Gray. G. Gray is a new forthcoming author in the industry. Having lived in various western states, Gray is known as having an interesting work history. Suspense and psychological thrillers are Gray's utmost favorites. Between upcoming short stories and near-future books yet to be, keep a lookout for Mr. Gray's work. And with that, listeners, we end our broadcast evening. I'd like to thank Olivia Steele and Paul McSorley for their voice contributions to tonight's episode. You can check out more of Paul's work on his Fear from the Heartland podcast, available on YouTube or the listening platform of your choice. As always, I'll be back next week with more spine-chilling tales to make your skin crawl. Until then, listeners, thanks for stopping by, and stay spooky. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference, and would mean a lot to me. 
If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show, and that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. As for me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, username Viking Guitar, and also on Instagram as Viking Guitar Productions. In particular, if you're looking for someone to provide voice work for your own project, or are in need of audio production of any sort, it would be wonderful to chat. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another Dance with Darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener, and if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's episode was hosted by, and its featured tale performed by, yours truly, Eric Peabody. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Nikki McSorley and Eric Peabody. Finalization by Craig Groshek and S.K. Brown. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for future production. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, please subscribe to us to make sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to let us know how we're doing and leave us a kind comment. Lastly, don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. 
In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archives and ad-free downloads of all of your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, you can hear more of my work on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights podcast. However, I will be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.